The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. John Paz, and with me as always is the star of the show, former WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, as well as one of the greatest trainers in the history of professional wrestling. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you today? John, doing great today. It's it's always good to be uh, doing great when I'm talking to you and talking old school wrestling. Now, I'm not going to mention who said it, but they were saying that Knoxville is not always the greatest place. And I said, you know what? Dr. Tom says Knoxville, Tennessee is the best place. So I'm going to take, you know, your advice over there. Well, 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 well. See, here, here's the deal. Um, everybody has their opinion, and it's what they're looking for in life. And I, at this stage in my life especially, but, of course, every stage of your life, you should be looking for a wonderful place to live and a great place to, to wake up to every morning where the sun shines bright or uh, you have the mountains to go out to. If you're into that kind of thing. But I know some people are city dwellers and uh, like the concrete. And I dig the concrete a little bit, too, sometimes, and, and skyscrapers and things like that. But at the same time, i got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm digging Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, it's a buddy of mine who loves California and Los Angeles, so you know he loves well, the hustle and bustle of the city. Yeah, and hold on here. There you go. I mean, and I was just having it's funny you should say that because I was actually uh, having a discussion today about Los Angeles, California, and how California itself has pretty much gone down the drain. I lived in L.A. in 1980, and now if you want to take a look at California compared especially to the East Coast and Knoxville, Tennessee, and places of that sort um, – my God, it's changed so much in the last 40 years and and uh, from what I've seen. But anyway, you know what? I think it's all just a matter of taste. And whatever you want to do, whatever your your poison is, I think uh, uh, that's that's what you what anybody ought to do is, is go where they're happy and go where it makes their, their heart sing and, and dance and all that good stuff. So I'll debate them all day long because we've got a lot of cool stuff here in Knoxville. Yes, and uh, JPWA uh, being probably the coolest thing in that. So I, I would have to say it is. Love it. Love uh, the JPWA. But today I wanted to focus in on another guy 
you trained. In the past, we've talked about The Rock, of course. We've talked about Vincent Kennedy McMahon. We've talked about Shane McMahon. Last week on the show, we talked all about Kurt Angle. This week, I wanted to talk about another Olympian, another former world champion, another Hall of Famer, Mark Henry. So when did you end up first meeting Mark? I know it was probably around the same time you met The Rock, right? Yeah, it was exactly the same time. Uh, it was uh, Rock, Mark Henry, and Uncle Malbrick, the first three who came into uh, the Stanford studio uh, over there. So he was he was from Texas, and of course, being from Texas myself, we we had that in common. And he was a very personable guy. He was he was young, he was uh, enthusiastic, and he really wanted to to be in wrestling. He. He loved professional wrestling, and he always told the story, I believe it was in Beaumont, when he got to touch Andre the Giant, or Andre gave him a uh, high five on the way out or something like that, and that that made an impression on him uh, his whole life. So when Mark came in, and before I forget, Mark also visited us last uh, earlier in the year, last year, whenever it was, it was... It's 2020 is doing a number on everybody. But, uh, yeah, Mark came by, I think it was last year, and uh, uh, just to say hello, and and that was always good. So, um, But when when he first started, he had all all the tools, all the enthusiasm and attitude, uh, and, and it was great to see that uh, – to watch him throughout his career and, and find his way, find his footing, because it, it – it certainly uh, is always a journey for anybody to find their way, and, and uh, especially when you have so many doors and, and uh, other roads you can go down. But Mark pretty much stayed the course and uh, found success, and not everybody does that. So I'm, I'm very happy for Mark's uh, not only success, but happiness in the business. Now, when you first kind of meet him, is it in, in Stanford? Is it like that's kind of the, the meeting ground or the meeting place? Yes, yes, yes. And I believe, uh, if I recall, it was at the office and uh, over over off uh, Main Street, the main office. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't – look, I wasn't sure what to expect right off the bat when, when presented with this deal. Um, all they told me was it was going to be uh, – a, a bodybuilder by the name of Ockham Albrecht, and uh, I've, I've said this before, he's been on all the bodybuilding. He was on all the bodybuilding magazines uh, at the gyms we would go to on the road, and it was a little surreal at times. But um, and and then uh, Dwayne Johnson, and of course Mark Henry. So uh, yeah, we met everybody at the at the Titan Towers and. I uh, had breakfast, and I got a nice little uh, second-floor cafe, where, uh, yeah, second or third floor, I think it was a second-floor cafe, and no, let's make it the third floor, because Jim's on the second floor. It doesn't matter, really, John. We just had breakfast, and we go to the gym, uh, have lunch, go to the studio, and, and then train for the rest of the day. It was, it was good times, good days, and that was something that... Um, I, I believe Mark enjoyed and got into, uh, but at the same time, you know, being an Olympian, being a power lifter, being someone who, who was, uh, uh, who, who had accomplished uh, feats maybe others 
haven't. You know, that, that he knew he was special. And, and at times, um, I don't think he felt he had to do things like everybody else. But eventually he came around and, and learned. But, um, uh, you know, early on, it was obvious. Uh, you know, Mark was a strong guy. Mark, But Mark also was young and had, had this rambunctious streak about him. So he wanted to try things and and at times he 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 didn't always listen. I believe he'll tell you that. And he and he might have had a different opinion of himself when he first started. But um, you know, the the story is one day we're training and I'm trying to explain how to hit the ropes to uh to Mark and Occam. I, I think uh Rock was already on the road by this time or or it wouldn't wouldn't long uh long after, but Rock wasn't there this day. Uh, the company had a company-wide meeting at a hotel, the one exit before Titan Towers, and everybody from the studio and everybody from Titan Towers was at this huge meeting, except uh, Mark, Ockham, and I were in the warehouse. And uh, we, we again, we've had we had a monitor on top to show what was going on live. We had the monitor on bottom to watch the replay back. Uh, when we were filming this stuff, we were still using VHS. Can you believe that? Crazy, anyway, crazy, isn't it? Uh, anyway, so you know, we we have been um, hitting the ropes, and I explained, you know, you want to hit the ropes with your left or your right hand over the the top rope, so you don't uh, get hurt, don't fall to the floor. You hit it sideways and put your right hand over the top rope. And if you've never done that, I don't care if it's cable or, or real rope, it's going to hurt, and, and you're going to feel it on your side. So a lot of guys want to turn their back. And I explained it. Hold on. I explained it. Mm-hmm. There's there's things that can happen. So do you want to talk about this later? No, no. Go for it now. Oh, oh okay, yeah. okay, because this is one of the things I don't know if you're going to bring up his, his ankle or not. But but we, we – um, uh, had, had hit the ropes and done some stuff, and, and finally I uh, I rolled rolled out of the ring with Occam, and we were going to watch something that he had just done. Uh, we're going to watch it back on the monitor below, and we kept a, a camera running the whole time. And Mark uh, stays in the ring and starts hitting the ropes um, as hard as he can, and we can hear it and we can see it above, and all of a sudden. Uh, Mark hits the the ropes with his back, and his his head slides through uh, the top rope, in between the top and the second rope, gets it hooked, and his ankle gets snagged in the canvas, and it snaps. And Mark is close to he's he's over 400 pounds at this at this point, I believe, and uh, he went, oh my god, oh my god. Oh, I broke my I broke my ankle. I said, no, 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 you couldn't break your ankle. I said, yeah, I heard it snap. I felt that I broke my ankle. And I'm thinking, oh no, we just hired this guy, Olympic champion or Olympic weightlifter. I think he came in whatever sixth in the Olympics, but he still had this personality. And I thought, man, ah, he, they want him to debut pretty soon too. And all of a sudden, here he is, the broken ankle. There's there's nobody up front to, for me to call. We don't have a cell phone. I go to a phone, have to dial out, and uh, we get the ambulance to come to the Stanford Studios. 
And, uh, again, Mark's over 400 pounds, so it takes Occam, myself, uh, four other EMTs to get him on the stretcher, take him to the hospital. It's like, oh, my gosh. Then he was out for another, I think, six weeks. So um, his start, you know, he, he, he wasn't quite sure what to think. And uh, he, he didn't know how to just – uh, he didn't know how to be accepted. I think he was trying too hard right in the beginning. Eventually he found out and, and he became good friends with Owen and, and people like that, Brett, uh, who also helped him along the way. But um, Mark was a, he was an impressive, uh, impressive guy once he got rolling because he, he finally found his groove and he finally found his niche and who to listen to and, and how to, how to apply what he had. So, um, he was he was a he was a good guy to have around. So, did you know of this pedigree beforehand? You know, the Olympic athlete and all that other stuff. Did they tell you that, or you just know it kind of going in? Well, well, once again, I mean, we, the publicity had been out there, and the idea had had already been presented to me that uh, we hired the the uh, powerlifter Mark Henry from Texas, and he's got a ton of personality, and his manager. Um, I don't remember his manager's name. He passed away two years ago, though. Uh, gosh, I can't remember him right now. You know, his manager, I think, is the one who contacted WWE, and, and this is kind of how it came about. Um, you know, Occam was coming from California, uh, and, and Rock was coming from Miami. Patterson or actually been in Memphis for a while, but, but he had been coming up through Pat, and uh, – you know, so yeah, I, I they told me we got we got a kid who is is looking to place pretty good in the Olympics. Uh, Mark Henry, and his great smile, has a great personality. So, yeah, I, I knew about it. I, once again, watching the Olympics and and just having some idea. So, who actually is signed? Is it Jim Ross that w- was kind of a part of that? Was it Jerry Briscoe? No, 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 no. Uh, I. I it might have been uh, the directive from Vince because I, I remember Vince putting him over as having this great smile and, and uh, wonderful personality to have uh, for WWE. And what a great representative uh, to have this guy who, who just lights up a room when he walks in and he's he, he's able to connect with people. He's, he's one of those guys that uh, is easy to – uh, say hello to, get his attention, and uh, uh, keep his attention focused on you when you're talking to him. So he he had that kind of personality. He was he was uh, engaging, and uh, you know, so he was he was that even before he got to WWE. And I, and I believe it, it certainly could have been Jr. But um, and you know, Jr. Who, who worked the deal out, no doubt, but. Uh, I'm not sure who the first one was to find him and say, "Hey, let's let's sign him to a contract." But I, I know he had a 10-year deal right off the bat, which which says something about it. Yes, crazy kind of uh, to be able to get that deal from WB. Usually, it's like, "Hey, we'll give you an opportunity, pal." Right? They don't normally give you a 10-year deal off the bat. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he he was special, and and he knew it, and that could have had a lot. That, well, I'm sure that had a lot to do with the way he he felt he, he should have been treated. But um, once he understood that respect is, is given, earned, and then got, you know, not just in in one facet of life and in, in everything you, you go into, um, 
when you when you when you walk in, even though you might have been a fan, uh, you still have to have to earn uh, some degree of respect. And the boys are going to make you work for it, no matter what. But um, you know, the, he he worked for it, he did it, and uh, he earned his stripes. And I think he he more so than not. Um, over over delivered on everything every aspect that he ever approached uh in wrestling and it was it was a good deal for him do you think that the ankle injury humbled him a little bit you know maybe he was a little bit tough to get going cuz you know he's an olympic athlete and all this other stuff do you think that may have humbled him a bit i'm not sure if it was uh the humbling or the realization that um <laughs> that 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 the wrestling business has a way of teaching us all lessons at special times in our lives, and and if it if the lesson was humility, humility, um, then maybe. But you know, Mark uh, was a legit strong guy, and Mark was was um, he, he if he got his hands on you, could hurt you, but. The the deal is he'd have to get his hands on you, and and you had some guys who could run a lot faster than him at that time. So, and there were some who would poke the bear, and and some who uh, would 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 want to see how far they could take things. And Mark would then snap, and uh, that's where Owen came in, especially, and and kind of calmed him down and said, "Listen, the more you snap, the more it's going to happen because that's the reaction they're looking for. Don't give it to them." And finally, Mark realized, oh, it's all a game. And he started playing his own game. He just didn't, he didn't play back with them. He, he let them, uh, he, he found that he found the answer. It was, uh, you know, nobody likes taking a dead body. And, and if he didn't react and there wasn't any fun and that's, you know, so if he learned humility or just smartened up to, okay, this is, this is part of the process and the road we have to go down, um, no matter what, we're going to go down this road, and I can make it easy on myself, or I can make it a lot harder. And I think he chose in the end to uh, loosen up and make it easier, and and he was finally accepted. And um, obviously, by the way, in the position he has now, he he he's the real deal, and he's helping guys now who were in his spot uh, many many years ago. So what did you think about him as far as, like, athlete wrestling-wise? We know he's a great lifter and strong man, but what did you think about him as as far as, like, getting in the ring and actually being um, adaptable to wrestling? He's a big man, so he's not going to be uh, – ne- never were we looking to make him a technical wizard by any stretch of the imagination, but – um, learning the basics and doing what we do would, would get you in tremendous shape if you if you do them properly and you you apply yourself. And and Mark uh, on occasion would, but but at the same time uh, he needed to learn the big man stuff. He needed to learn how to sell like a big man. He was a big man. He was a big man, and I I, I was impressed by the way he could adapt and listen. Um, I, he, he just had to find the time to sell the time to come back and, uh, when to, when to move forward, when to stay down, when to come up and all that was, 
uh, determined on who he was working with and, and, and who was talking to him in the ring. So, you know, he he had, he adapted pretty well. And as a wrestler, it might have taken him a while, but, but once again, uh, he was a, a big man, and he had to learn his, his way. He had to learn his own footing and timing in the ring. And the only way you do that is do it. And um, so once he did it, and once he got it down, once he understood what he was supposed to do, then uh, I think he I think he learned pretty well. So when he's training and stuff, coachable, not coachable, did the ankle injury kind of made him more coachable when he came back? Or, like, was he coachable as far as, okay, you know, I'm going to get into here, I'm going to do what Dr. Tom asked me to do? I no, he was he was coachable at times. It, it, I think it was afterwards that maybe, um, you know, Marcus said this before. He would come in on some days, and we taped everything, and and Jr. wanted to see it at the end of the day, or if Vince wanted to check on him at the end of the day, we had it. Well, it just so happened that Mark would come in on some days and uh, read the paper and not even watch his practice, like he's not even paying attention. So uh, when that got back to the office, and once again, you've got to understand, people are coming in and out of the studio all day. Um you may not think, but you better think. You better understand that, that you're being watched whether you think you are or you're not. And just assume you are. So, you know, character is what you do when nobody's watching, but you have to assume everyone's watching. So uh, once Vince had heard about Mark reading the paper while we're practicing, he called him in and, and gave him that talk that he'll give people on occasion about how much – he believes in them. He's disappointed that they're not taking this opportunity seriously. I don't know if that was verbatim, but I think that was the gist of the conversation because Mark came back and there was no more paper. He was watching, and he was applying himself, at least watching and, and taking things in. Um, so, yeah, he, he was he was coachable once he understood uh, where he was at in relation to experience level in this business uh just because you watched it and just because you're 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 an accomplished athlete in something else or, or some other sport doesn't mean you can just come into to wrestling or sports entertainment and and dominate and take over because you had other guys who dedicated their life to it and put forth the effort and, and were students of the game and uh, took it a lot more seriously, and and it just—I don't think that registered at first with Mark about how you have to earn uh, another layer of respect on top of what you got for for doing what you you did to get to the to the Olympics and and be declared the world's strongest man, and and now you're with WWE, so, you know, and watching something you've watched your whole life and wanted to be a part of. So I mean. I, I, once he understood uh, that there was another path and another uh, uh, directive or, or outline of, of protocol, if you will, to follow in, in this sport, in this business, uh, he, he buckled down and he did it. I think 
that was a testament to how much of a, a great athlete he was to be able to accomplish uh, what he did in the first place at the Olympics, just getting to the Olympics. My God. So, yeah, I, I, I think once he got it, once he understood that uh, you have to put just as much work, if not more, into this uh, that you did growing up in powerlifting and and setting all these records and being the hero of Texas, that now we're starting back at, at um, step one to learn this part of of life and this part of business and and uh, everything else will follow in line if you keep moving along and you keep making progress. And he did. Now, last week we talked about Kurt Angle wins the Olympic gold. His stock, if you think about it, just as an Olympic gold medal, I mean, it kind of shoots through the roof credibility-wise. Was Mark Henry's credibility or any of his stock within WWE hurt at all by his kind of poor performance in the Olympics or not at all? Uh, you know, the only ones who could really say, well, no, you know what, I mean, on the outside looking in and even on the inside looking in, um, I, I don't really believe so because I, I, I truly believe the vibe I got was they were so confident that Mark had this uh, charisma and personality that would translate to to WWE fans, and that was the that was the thing. You know, he had the stars and stripes uh, singlet and hat, and, and he was the all American, you know, world's strongest man. And you say it long enough, say it so many times, people it just becomes fact. And I think that uh, um, I'm sure they would have loved to have had you know two gold medalists uh, with with WWE, and Kurt wasn't there yet obviously but mm-hmm. sure they would love to have a gold medalist at, at any time but I think just going to the Olympics I mean how many people yeah, go tr- try out for the Olympics uh, and work their, their heart out and, and and do everything they can dedicate their life that's uh, they, they have a true Olympian you know you've had Olympians before Patera uh, the Iron Sheik um you don't, Bob Roop. You've you've had people who've done this before, and with once they get into a uh, an entertainment aspect like WWE, they they just add the credibility. Not not necessarily because they can break somebody's neck or look strong, but because uh, they think enough to to come over to compete with WWE and be a part of this company. So. Uh, you know, look look what we have. We've got a guy who who went to the Olympics uh, and who who worked hard and and it's for all intents and purposes an upstanding citizen and loves his country and loves WWE and you should love it too. You know that kind of stuff. So I don't really think uh, his stock dropped as much, um, but I do sure if he would have won the gold medal, man, I think everybody would have been uh, tickled pink. Now. As far as, you know, he's coming in, he's an Olympic athlete, do the guys like Vince or JR or Briscoe, Patterson, anybody say anything to you like, all right, you know, treat him differently, train him differently, or is it business as usual, you're going to train the guy, how are you going to train the guy? Yeah, nobody said anything to me like that at all. And 
<laughs> in fact, even when even when it was implied uh, later on down the line, you know, I mean, there there have been people. Uh, look, I I train I train people the way I train them, and I don't I don't deviate uh, when anybody else is watching or or show up. I just I do what I do, and they've they've sat there and they've watched me train them. So nobody's nobody directed me. The only time I, I remember even uh, <laughs> being mentioned, maybe we should think about the way we train this guy was the great Kali. Uh, hmm. Yeah, because he, they, they, you know, but, but at the time they were having him do things that a giant really wasn't ever going to do and didn't need to do. And, and it was almost, it, it almost, <laughs> when I looked at it, but this is, this wasn't the case. I'm sure it almost looked like he was being, um, uh, punished or, or scolded or whatever reason because he was a great Kali and sometimes Kali would look at you and and not understand English, no, no habla English type thing. You know what I mean? But you knew pretty well that he understood everything going on. Uh, so, but but when I came into it with that deal, I just uh, skipped the running and and the 500 squats and 500 push-ups. Do that on your own time. That's the way I looked at it. Would you ever, I know that's kind of a crazy circumstance, but would you ever look at like an angle or a Mark Henry or even uh, the rock or something and say, you know what, I'm going to lighten up a little bit on this guy. He's, you know, he's got something here. Maybe I'll lighten up on him a little bit, not say anything to them, but maybe in your mind do it. Yeah, 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 but I think that's that's just a coaching strategy too. I do that with a lot of people because you, you, some people react to a pat on the back, others are kicking the ass, and and there's not too much distance between the two. So you have to decide. What do you do? Do you ride this guy uh, for a good hard <laughs> week or two weeks, or what's going to make him snap? What's going to make him? finally get it. Do you lighten up? I've done this through the years. I mean, there's, I've seen it done and I've, I've done it myself. You know, how do you, how, what, what's going to get me the best results? And I don't believe in, in berating anybody and torturing all that stuff. That's just stupid. But, uh, I yell, I scream at the same time. I have to, evaluate too you know i don't want to yell and scream at this person uh, because i want them to do the best they can do and from there i'm going to tell them and instruct them the best way i can to get them to do it the best way they can and and i've done that um no matter who it was whether it was mark or Occam, rock whoever it was i mean i i can be a complete jerk i can be a complete asshole but i'm doing it to to get the result that i think we both me and wwe were looking for and you know some do and some don't but um i i i don't specifically recall anything i did differently with mark or Occam or rock or anybody i just uh i i don't recall and i might have but at this moment sir i cannot tell you that i've done it any differently. So as far as kind of the 
developmental at the time. I know we talked about this, but my God, it was 30-something weeks ago. What is it like walking into developmental, quote-unquote developmental, and the training at this time, the facilities and stuff? I know we're talking about the office and Titan Towers, but kind of take us through that again, because I think that's just so cool and so different and so unique, really, as far as training. Well, it, it was unique in the sense that it was happening in WWE for the first time. The, the power plant had been around for a while, and that was in Atlanta. And they they ran it uh, the way it was it was done old school, and that meant boot camp, and you're doing sometimes 500 to a thousand squats, 500 to a thousand push-ups before you even stepped in the ring. And that's great. You're, you're going to be in tremendous shape. I don't. Um, uh, I, I, that that that's one way to do it. You know, you have your way. I have my way. But the right way, the only way, does not exist. There's this way or that way, and and that's that's that way. You know, yeah, you can get results. My my way. Um, I just I seen different instructors, but one of my instructors that I had for karate, a guy named Bill Gray, just had a way of teaching, had a way of connecting with me. And I I tried to adapt uh, some of the elements he used. And again, he would yell, he could, he could, he could intimidate you at times, but then he would walk right over to you and he would tell you, this is how you do it. Step here, step here, move your foot over there. Okay. Bring it up. Raise your knee. Great. Good job. Okay. So I got that. I understood that that connected with me. So uh, we needed a way uh, to train people at WWE, and it, it, it involved going to the office in the morning. We'd, we'd get a workout, have breakfast if you wanted, but we'd work out. Uh, then you have uh, an hour for lunch, and the, the studio was right down the street. And, uh, you know, we would all travel to the studio after lunch and if we started at one o'clock we, we would go till six sometimes and uh if we had to stay later we stayed later if we had to go earlier we stayed we went earlier and stayed later we did whatever we had to do but for that moment and that was 1996 for that moment uh once again titan towers has always been a cool building it has uh everything you need inside again like a little cafeteria uh, for the employees, reasonably priced, great food, fresh fruit, um, things that, that that you don't have to leave the building for. And, you know, uh, a, a full, full-scale full gym on the second floor so the guys didn't have to be bothered, didn't have to go to Gold's or, or any other place. It was a full it – was, it was better than Gold's, actually, and still is. I'm sure it's even better now, but – um, you know, you had no excuse because all they were there to do was train and learn the business. And uh, there was no excuse not to be in the gym. There was no excuse not to be at the office and be able to be accounted for and, and be able to get in, t- get in touch with you. And uh, then your day was spent over at the studio. And there were weekends when uh, we would go to the movies in Danbury or somewhere and things like that, but uh, the, the days were spent around the business, and, and you never knew. It's kind of like uh, what we have now. You never know who's going to stop by, and you know Vince would stop by the studio, Bruce, Jr., uh, Cornette, um, you know, and, and, and guys who were coming in cut promos or guys who were coming in. To, 
to do uh, do things on their days off would stop by and watch us work. So it was it really was for that time. It was unique for WWE. As I said, WCW already had it, but that's that's kind of what we were looking to do. But I knew I I'm not look in all my years of wrestling. I have never one time done a squat or a push-up in a match. So if you want to do that, you can do it on your time. But when we're in the ring, we're going to do wrestling stuff, and we're going to learn how to work, and we're going to learn timing, and we're going to feel it, and we're going to learn pacing, and and, uh, pacing and spacing, and keeping your distance, filling the gap. I mean, all these little things. You have your way, I have my way, blah, blah, blah. But... We can pick and choose, and if this isn't working for you, we'll find something else and and try and make that work. But um, that was that was a routine that we had for a while. And uh, when once they got to the point where they could go on the road, well, that that became even more of a busy time because we would uh, train and then get ready for the road, and uh, it was nonstop. It was it was pretty much at that time nonstop. I was doing voiceovers too, and and some other stuff um, at Titan Tower. So it was a busy, busy time. But it produced. Uh, I think we produced some pretty good talent. Definitely, there was uh, no doubt about that. So how often can you tell, or how quick can you tell? Like you said, he had the Mark Henry, of course, had the charisma and the personality. And Vince says he thinks it really would translate. But how quick can you tell, like, okay, this guy has it. You know, he's going to make it in the business. It's great that he's an Olympic athlete and, and has a great smile and all stuff. But how quickly can you tell the adaptability to wrestling, saying this guy has it, he's going places? Yeah, it it, it took me a little while because I, don't, I wasn't so sure that Mark was understanding um, how to fit in on the road right away. But it, it, it took me a little while before um, I, I finally said, yeah, I think it was once he got in with the, the nation and, and was reunited with the rock because they were uh, roommates in Stanford. And um, so I think once he, he understood this is how, you get along, and then they say, hey, not only are you getting along, but we want you along, and we want to put you here because that position, nation domination, is is a learning spot, and, and it's, a, it's a great way to uh, uh, sit under the learning tree of a, of a Ron Simmons and, uh, you know, the godfather and, and – not just learn about the lessons in, in WWE, but the lessons in life and, uh, you know, pick up on whatever, whatever gets you through, uh, grab hold to it and grab, grab hold and, and don't let go and, and keep asking questions. And I believe that's what Mark did. So after he, after he'd been around for a little bit and, and got with the nation, I, I kind of figured now he's, now he's coming along. So with him, and, you know, he's going along, he, he's got his training and stuff, and, and you know, he's, he's getting it, and you, you kind of see he's getting it. Do you foresee him at all, like, okay, this guy's going to become a, ch- a future world champion. All right, this guy's a Hall of Famer. Like, do you even 
think about it as far as him in those terms? Because it's you know some of the guys it's easy to tell like okay Kurt Angle is, as long as long as he gets it yeah I could see him being a world champ. But Mark Henry you know like a big man like okay he's a monster not necessarily all the monsters are going to be champions. Did you see him being like a world champion and even I, a future Hall of Famer? Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't on that line of thinking, no. But uh, when he did, that, again, just told me that he was getting it. He was understanding that uh, uh, this is a relationship business. This is uh, getting over in business. And it's uh, the best and the strongest don't always become the best and the strongest in, in the entertainment business. But Mark was learning that um, – You've you've got to have something that people believe in, and when I say people, people like Vince and and, and decision makers are looking at, and they they have they have to see it. And once they give you that vote of confidence, um, it's up to you to to fulfill any any ambitions they have in line for you or they see for you. It's up to you. You know they'll give you the chance, and and that really is true. They they will give you an opportunity, and um, uh, then the rest is who it, it is in your hands. They they're going to expect you to know uh, that you're going to need to go to the undertaker for advice. They're going to expect you to know that someone uh, it, it, they're they're going to put you with is is looking to help you. Are you smart enough to pick up on that? And uh, then, you know, it falls back on the guys who were supposed to be the mentors. And guys like Ron and, and Godfather, uh, I don't know if anybody ever specifically said, hey, uh, mentor this guy or help this guy, but they they just know that's just the evolution and that's the, um, the, the rungs of the ladder uh, and, and their responsibility to, to do that. And they, they did it well. And, you know, it's up, it's up to the guy they're, they're talking to to listen, and obviously Mark did listen. And when, when it shows that the guys are listening uh, and following through, word will always get back to the right people, and vice versa too. So, you know, you, you don't want to make enemies, um, and, and of course, any successful <laughs> successful guy, especially in, in the wrestling business, is going to make a ton of enemies when you're successful. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast. It's competition. It's 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 the entertainment business is not subjective at all. So, or not objective. I'm sorry. Subjective is what I'm talking about. Uh, but you know, he he. I, I, nobody could tell he was going to be as as big as he got. Nobody could tell in the beginning that he was going to be a champion, a world champion, and a Hall of Famer. But of course, as he progressed, as he went on, um, and he didn't disappoint, and he he became dependable, became reliable, and became a, a, a valuable commodity. Could draw money, could draw interest, and uh, make take any situation any any part of the uh program they handed mark uh with the may young thing with uh, uh the other one i can't remember the other the, the one in houston where he says oh my god you've got a penis and i went oh man <laughs> you know but but you know it it um 
he he delivered on it. Not not just anybody can can make that work, and he did for that point in time. So, uh, you know, and there were a few things that he was uncomfortable with along the way that he he spoke up, and and they changed. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go into being even considered to be the world champion. And then to be considered a Hall of Famer is, is pretty much one of those things where uh, do we like you well enough and, and do we really think you deserve it? Well, obviously they did, they being whoever makes those decisions, obviously. So with him, he makes his WWF debut at Mind Games as far as TV. He did have a house show against Jerry Lawler for this, but Mind Games pay-per-view 1996 September, and he beats Jerry Lawler in about five minutes in front of a hostile Philly crowd. Sometimes debuting MSG in New York could be tough, but sometimes that Philly crowd, I've noticed, can be even tougher. Oh, oh yes, Philadelphia is a tough town. It's a tough town for everybody, I think, all sports teams and anybody that comes in there. Uh, yeah, but but once again, um, how 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 else can you learn except uh, uh, just to be put in the fire? And and that was again part of the process, part of the road he had to go down, and he knew that. So um, Lawler obviously is going to report back. You know, if he if he is uh, coachable, if he listens. Um, so, you know, once again, you don't want to make enemies and, and obviously make sure everything's okay with Lawler first and then go out and he, he can make you look like a million bucks or he can make you look like uh, uh, like a dollar or 50 cents. So, and, and Mark, Mark pulled it off. So uh, that's the key. You start out young and dumb, and everybody does, and with a, with a one conception – an idea of what you have in mind, what you're going to do, and and all of a sudden it gets upended, and they're going to make you completely the opposite of what you had an idea about. So uh, that's the great thing about the entertainment business. That's the great thing about wrestling. It, it can change on a dime, and you have to be able to change with it. I mean, it's, once again, it's, it's like right now the business is is constantly changing and going to have to find a, a way to, uh, I don't know about reinventing, but at least recreating um, what, what used to be. Because house shows right now, and I don't see anything happening in the near future for the big companies, uh, you know, rely on uh, connecting and and. And doing things people are going to talk about. And good, bad, or indifferent, uh, you sure don't want indifferent. You want you want somebody to say, boy, that was a great segment. Or, oh, my God, that stunk. Really, i got to see it. <laughs> so, you know, and, and Mark rose above all that stuff. Uh, you know, the, the, in the beginning, none of us are are that great. We, we you know, with a few exceptions, obviously. But um, we find the people along the way who help us get better. And uh, and and as I said, you you stick to them and you ask them the the questions you 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 need an answer to, and uh, then you have to you have to trust that they're going to give you uh, a good plan to follow. And and if they care enough about you, and I I think they did about Mark because you you want to make someone like that. You 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 want to 
see a, a guy who has his size and, and charisma and outgoing personality. You want you you want to see him succeed, and if he if he succeeds, then the guys helping him succeed too. With him, it's funny because you think like, okay, this guy, strong man credentials, you know, up the wazoo, Olympic, uh, not champion, but an Olympic athlete. You know, he's obviously one of the strongest men, quote unquote, the world's strongest man. All this other stuff. That all kind of goes by the wayside, and in really 96, 97, that kind of USA, pro-USA stuff isn't really over anymore. Uh, Kurt Angle would have kind of realized that too, and obviously they would go a different direction with him. But, you know, maybe if it was the 80s, that would be over huge, and he'd be, you know, Mr. America and all this other stuff. But in, in that era, 96, 97, it's funny. It's like the fans – don't want that anymore. They, they, this is becoming, you know, more towards the attitude era. It's a very different crowd, and he had to adapt big time because they tell you one thing: this is who we see. We like this guy's smile, and then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this isn't working. We're going to put you in with the nation of domination. Let's see your personality, and then you really see a different side of him. So he definitely had to go through some growing pains. Well, yeah, and, and everybody does. Rock went through it. You know, they they. Mm-hmm shoved him down their throat with a smiley face and all that good stuff. But in the 80s, hell, in the 70s, uh, Mark Henry uh, would would have been great with Ken Patera. You know, Ken mm-hmm. Patera yeah. and superstar Billy Graham had their, their bench press uh, in almost every major territory. Well, probably every territory they went to, you know, the arm wrestling and the bench press and, you know, throw the, or the, the Olympic uh, – or military press, and and you know Mark would have been perfect with that. And I think didn't they do some Mark Henry stuff, the bench press on the? Mm-hmm. They yep. did some the tire yeah. iron stuff. And the yeah, great. Yep. Oh yeah. He, yeah, he can bend all that stuff. He 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 bent uh, something for you know Steve Kern still has something in uh, in Tampa. He showed me either a spoon or. Or a nail or, pan or something. Maybe if something like that that you know Steve said, yeah, you know Mark did this and I kept it and I thought, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, he 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 certainly would have been, you know, whatever era earlier on. But you know the business had changed and and people change and uh, you're right. You know that that at that time the attitude era was going on and. They had had enough of the smiley, happy, look at me, babyface stuff, and then uh, you know became the anti-babyface, babyface. So, you know, was he was he around the wrong period? Nah, I don't know. He was around the period he he didn't have a chance to, to say when he was born, so he had to make the best of his era, and he did. You know, and he adapted, and that's the key to this uh, whole thing too. You have to adapt. You have to know how to change and uh, improv, and he did. Think about not only the nation of domination, but then he goes even further, sexual chocolate. I feel like that is what really got him over, showing his personality, doing some comedic stuff, uh, doing the stuff with D'Lo Brown. They had great chemistry together. Even the stuff with Mae Young, although some of it's a little bit crazy, like she gives birth to a hand and, you know, all the other, like, insane attitude ever stuff. But – he really showed, like, he's got a lot of personality, he's funny, and that gets over big time with the crowd, even more so, you know, than, you know, them remembering uh, his wrestling. I mean, they'll remember, like, man, he made me laugh, or he made me feel good. Or, you know, they'll remember the emotions of Mark Henry, because sexual chocolate was pretty damn funny. Well, I agree. And and I think Mark found 
found an outlet there because he was that that kind of joking guy and and could be kind of dry humor at times. And uh, uh, as I said before, you know, The Rock was that that endearing smart ass when he got there, and they were roommates, so you know they would they would crack on each other, but. Uh, you know, once once you're given an outlet, once you're given an opportunity to to shine and have your personality stand out, you know, some some people make the best of it, and some people don't know what to do with it. And Mark obviously knew what to do with it and took full advantage of it. And um, uh, he come come to find out, you know, he was he was more natural doing that because that that was him, and he had fun with it. So if you're having fun, people are gonna know, and if you if you're digging it. And you're you're living in the moment. People will know. And Mark was living in the moment with all those vignettes, and uh, I don't believe anybody else could have pulled it off but Mark Henry. And I think with him, what really got him over was when I don't know if it was a Dusty Rhodes project, but always that's kind of like the the rumor. Like he kind of Dusty basically got in his ear and was like, "Man, you're a monster. Let's make you a monster." And then he had that feud with the Undertaker. Then he goes and wins the ECW World Championship. And then you know, he's kind of going through and really kind of just being that total monster heel, like you know, dominating, thrown around the big show. You know, you don't see that too often. So then you know, he becomes a world heavyweight champion. I feel like that is kind of you know what really, really kind of to me makes him Hall of Famer is that he kind of adapted and just became an absolute monster and got over in that regard, wins the world title. Obviously, I mentioned wins the ECW title too. But then he has this awesome, quote-unquote, retirement, and he cries and he makes his emotional thing, and John Cena gives him a hug, and then all of a sudden he beats the crap out of Cena, and then he flips the switch, becomes that monster again. I think that's what a lot of people, a lot of fans remember, remember him too, was like that vicious side of him. That that's one of my favorite angles because uh, I had no idea where it was going either, and and that that had I think the dreams fingerprints all over it. Um, I don't know that I don't know for a fact, but I, mm-hmm. but it just looked like it to me as well because that's the kind of stuff Dream would do. That's the kind of stuff Dream would talk about where you're taking everybody down one road. And they just know we're going to end up here. And uh, next thing you know, you hijack the car and we're going 80 miles an hour the other way. And uh, that was great. So, but but you have to know exactly when uh, to pull it off. And exactly, that, that's timing, that's feeling. And uh, you, you can be told and you can hear it and you can re- rehearse it all day long. But when you get out there live and do it, it has to look live and it has to look spontaneous and it has to uh, be credible, authentic, and believable. And, man, I think he sucked everybody in, and finally it was like, you rotten bastard, how could you? Well, he could because he can, and he did. So, yeah, I thought it spoke volumes. It was great, great angle. So what do you think of as far as like the legacy of him? Obviously, you know, we're saying world champion, Hall of Famer. You know, he he could play so many different characters. He adapted from his Olympic career as far as being a great powerlifter to WWE career. What's kind of like the legacy of Mark? Henry? 
I, I think being an ambassador for not only WWE, but the, the powerlifting community, doing a lot of things, really good things in Texas for youth uh, and, and troubled kids and things like that. So I, I think his legacy, especially being in the limelight as long as he was and being someone that uh, people, uh, not just in Texas, but, but – I think all over the world recognize uh, that 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 will be a huge, huge part of who Mark Henry is remembered for because he was a great wrestler, no doubt. He's a great entertainer, no doubt. Powerful guy, certainly. But uh, what he did after and and during because he helped his his uh, hometown, he helped his state. He he did a lot of things that uh, you know uh, nobody knows about. And, and charitable organizations. So that's that's a great legacy to have, and I believe that's uh, definitely going to be Mark's. And can't forget this. I did love the pairing of him and Tony Atlas. And Tony Atlas was his manager for a, uh, a brief period of time in the ECW branch. I just thought that was such a funny kind of way to have Tony Atlas show that wacky personality. Yeah, Tony's another guy that has that uh, uh, personality that uh, you want to – uh, you want to be around for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's where I'll leave that. Now, as far as this episode, as far as Mark Henry, I think that is a, a great stopping point. want to mention ProWrestlingTees.com. You can go there and pick up a JTWA shirt or a Dr. A Tom shirt. Like I always mention, I love the Wanted Dead or Alive tee. That is a great one. So that is ProWrestlingTees.com. You can also go to Patreon. A Patreon has been set up where you can become a patron and support the JPWA. That is, of course, Patreon.com, JPWA. You can also check out JPWA's website, JPWrestlingAcademy.com, for more information about the JPWA. And, of course, you can pick up Dr. Tom's book, A Pro Wrestling Curriculum, Advice, Suggestions, and Stories to Help the Aspiring Pro Get to the Next Level. Dr. Tom, where can they get this awesome book? You can get my awesome book on Amazon.com. Just type in Dr. Tom's book, and it'll come up, or Dr. Tom Pritchard, either way. Also, you can send $25 to PayPal to me at drtompritchard at AOL.com, and I will send you a personally autographed signed copy to you of my book. You can also uh, follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip, and you can follow Dr. Tom at Dr. Tom Pritchard. Now, Dr. Tom, tell us about some appearances you've got coming up. Well, we have a huge one this Saturday, John, the 50th anniversary of Jerry, the King Lawler. Uh, in fact, we were talking about Tony Atlas earlier. It's going to be myself, Tony Atlas, and D'Lo Brown taking on the Brothers of Seduction, uh, Cam the Prince, and the mother lover, Jake Tucker, along with Dylan McQueen. They're all three JPWA alumni, and uh, I will be stepping in the ring with them along with my partners, D'Lo and Tony Atlas, uh, this Saturday. It's August 26th, or, or August 26th, my gosh, September 26th. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. I believe it next Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, of course, the main event is going to be the celebration of Jerry Lawler's 50th uh, anniversary in wrestling when he teamed with the Rock and Roll Express against Matt Riviera. 
Tommy Wildfire Rich, and Doug Gilbert in Jackson, Tennessee at the Jackson Ballpark. And I, I know it's going to be a hell of a crowd. I think there's uh, some social distancing and, I, and, and limitations going on, but it's, it's being uh, promoted by Burt Prentice and USA Championship Wrestling out of Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, and uh, I know I have a seminar coming up in December, but I don't have the information in front of me, and it's only de- it's only September. So I think we have a couple months to plug that too. But this Saturday, yes. Jackson, Tennessee is going to be uh, going to be crazy. It's going to be electric. I hope. Yes, that is awesome, and it will be December fourth, fifth, and sixth for AML. So go to AML, AML excuse me. Wrestling.com. That's AMLWrestling.com for uh, all the info there. Should be a good one. Ricky Morton, uh, Preston Quinn, C.W. Anderson, all going to be uh, doing some training. So, But we'll definitely talk about that as the uh, weeks and months to come. I mean, you've got a lot coming up on, on your plate, including the JPWA. So it's a lot yeah, of good stuff. Yeah, i got to tell you, it's, it's really a lot of fun when I do these seminars. And uh, we do something combined like this where uh, there, there's about three or four coaches and we divide the the room the the people up into different places, different rooms, different spots, and everybody has a chance to to listen to opinions and and ways to do things, including uh, the coaches. So uh, I'm always learning too. I'm always listening and trying to keep up with uh, what's going on today and how we can make it better and how we can make it uh, adaptable for everybody. So I'm looking forward to that too in December. Nice. And we like to thank everybody for joining us this week and every week on Take You to School with Dr. Tom Pritchard. See you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.